Welcome to the Men's Global live stream. I'm so glad you're with us. If you have a Bible, I want you to hold a couple of spots in one in Jeremiah 9, the other in John 17. We're going to look at those on the at the top of our study today. And I want to encourage you to make sure you have the downloaded notes. I mean, even as we're doing our introduction, if if you're if you're watching online with us and you see that downloaded notes, but make sure you get that because of two things. One is I want you to have the scriptures there in front of you beyond the, the broadcast. Um, but also I want you to teach what we learn here. Now, if you're joining us for the first time, we're in a series called Hearing God. And we're talking about hearing God clearly because the Bible teaches that every believer is in a spiritual battle in his connection with God and in his communication with God. Okay, once we have a relationship, relationships require communications, but forces against that relationship with God, they are going to try to mess with it. And that's kind of what we established in part one, just to bring that reality home that we are in a battle to hear God clearly, to hear God regularly, to hear God personally. And God's desire in our relationship is that he wants that relationship to be intimate. He wants that relationship to be life-changing, but again, we gotta hear him in order to know and experience him. So then in parts two through five, what we're doing is we're talking about four battles that every believer has to win in order to hear God clearly, regularly, and personally. In part two, we talked about you gotta win the battle of slow versus hurry. You can't be in a hurry and have a good relationship with anything and that we have to slow to know someone. In part three, we talked about winning quiet versus noise, where you need an environment, you need a place, you need your tent of meeting where God can meet with you and speak with you and not just have it be a physically quiet place, but also be able to internally quiet yourself so you can hear God. That was, that was part three. In part four, we talked about the battle of rest versus restlessness. And I really called on the carpet this whole idea of to divert and distract ourselves from work we try to get rest, but we still, well, even though we do a lot of fun stuff and we do a lot of social media and we do a lot of hobbies and a lot of recreational things, we're still restless. And I explain the reason why, because we're made in God image, but we're made from dust. We're, we have unlimited desires because we're eternal. We have a forever DNA, but then after the fall, we're made from dust. And so into that tension, right, of being eternal, and being limited comes restlessness. And then we looked to God to be the source of our rest and to bridge that tension and give us true rest, right? Now, in part four, we talked about, or part five today, we're gonna talk about the vital few versus the important many. All right, we're talking about priorities, okay? And to get you thinking in the right direction, I just want you to think about what comes into your mind when you think, multitasking, all right? Maybe you're at the barbecue and you're drinking a beer and you're flipping burgers, all right? That's, that's some good multitasking, right? Or maybe we hold our kids and, and, and we watch TV and we feed them and I mean, actually we don't do that a lot. A lot of the moms do. Moms are the ultimate 
multitaskers, right? But we know that, you know, we can do little things like that. At some point though, you keep throwing tasks at a physically limited human being. And at some point, the tasks that we were doing, they're gonna start to suffer because we're spread too thin in our multitasking, right? Now, how does that relate to our relationship with God and hearing God? Well, the same is true in your relationship with God. I mean, I don't know about you, but I wanna do marriage super well, I wanna do fatherhood super well, I wanna do grandfathering super well, I wanna do fitness super well, I wanna do work super well. There's so many things that I wanna do super well, but I can't do everything super well, but culture encourages that. Man, you can have it all, you know? You can, you, you can have an amazing recreational life, then you go on vacation, then you go to work, then you're a good dad and you're a good worker and you make a lot of money and sorry, we're limited. We learned that in this series, right? And when you want to hear God and have a great relationship with God and have a thriving spiritual relationship with God, that were a thriving relationship will turn mediocre and just decent and not be all that God intended if he gets diluted, right? Meaning you're doing too many things, you have too many priorities, there's a need to narrow your priorities, right? And that's really the goal of today's study, right? We wanna rearrange our lives for priority and consistency, right? And to do that, you gotta say, yes to God and his mind on your priorities. And that yes is gonna mean a no maybe to some other things, all right? So here's where we're going today. We're gonna get God's mind on our priorities, right? Let God speak into the issue, right? Of what should be the vital few. Then we're gonna look at some key drivers, right? Connected to just keeping God first in all things. And then we're gonna look at some key values that keep us living simply and strongly in God, right? So we have priorities, shape our values, and then it ultimately is going to lead to an expression, okay? So if you have the downloaded notes, I want you to look at the top of your notes. And I want us to talk about and see where in the Bible, when it comes to your passions and your pursuits in your life, we have options and freedom to choose. God knows this. And in Jeremiah chapter 9, he speaks into it. He says this. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom, or the powerful boast of their power, or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I'm the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth, and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. So we see that when it comes to passions and pursuits, we are not static robots. We are actually creatures that have a free will and can choose, and we can choose being smart as a pursuit and passion. We can choose being powerful as a pursuit and passion. We can choose being materially wealthy as a pursuit and passion as our core priority. And that core priority will shape our core identity. And that core priority and that core identity is going to demand uh, 
energy. And you see, God sees this happening among men. That's what I want you to see in Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. God sees that priorities other than him, the creator, the potter, the vine, the shepherd, the master, other priorities can just boop, edge him out. So he speaks directly into it. Let's make three observations from Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Number one, God says, our best energy reflects our truest priorities. So all I'd have to do is get a hidden camera, follow you around, hire somebody to follow you around, and then I would see, you know, from when you woke up to when you went to bed, I could begin to then glean your priorities. I could also look at your checkbook. I could also see where you allocate your disposable time. I could, it's not rocket science. Our best energy, okay, where we put it, reflects our truest priorities. And there's a menu of options. There's always been, I mean, back in the time when Jeremiah was the prophet during the Babylonian exile, they had, they had choices too, you know? And that's the same with us today. And the world, the flesh, and the devil are offering us godless choices. You know, we can be in an intellectual passion and pursuit. We can be in pursuit of position and status through social media, and that can dominate. We can be just, man, about the buck and devote our lives to that, all right? So God says that our best energy reflects our truest priority. Secondly, God says, I want to be your number one passion. Notice in the text, the language, very specific, but to those who wish to boast, should boast in this alone. If you have the downloaded notes, circle this alone, that they truly know me and they understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth, right? I love that God wants to have a real relationship with us and that he makes himself available to know and to hear and to be experienced, but we gotta decide if he's gonna be a priority. There's the world's priorities and then there's God's priorities. And God says, if you're gonna boast in anything, like if you're gonna brag about where you put your energy, why don't you brag about this, that you understand and know me, okay? Time out. I hope that convicts you as much as it convicts me. Sometimes we just gotta let that word sorta settle on us. God says, I want to be number one in your life to the point where when people ask you how you're doing, something related to me comes out of your mouth, right? All right, let's make the third observation. God says, I want you to value what I value on earth, you know, he ties this priority thing to himself. Like you can pursue these other priorities or you can boast in me alone and you can understand and you can know me that I am the Lord. And then there's that connective word, who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth that I delight in these things. Now, God's a father and fathers delight when their children reflect what is best and good about them in their actions, in their attitudes, in their character, right? Parents, isn't it awesome when your kid reflects a value or a character trait 
that's good. And God's the, the, God's the same way, right? He wants us to value what he values on earth. And I love that phrase. He demonstrates unfailing love and brings justice and righteousness to the earth. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a son of God, and you're to demonstrate what God demonstrates, what God models for us is meant for us. What does he demonstrate? Love and justice. And what's really cool is when we look to Jesus, we see Jesus as a son reflect those two things, right? That's your next scripture. Uh, it's John 17, uh, one through three. It says, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. What's cool about the connection between Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, and John 17, 1 through 3, and, and beyond in there, is it's all about priority, modeling, uh, wanting to have God as a focus while we're on earth, to execute what God wants to do on earth. And in Jesus, we see God's love and God's justice that's talked about in Jeremiah 9, kiss and come together. Love and justice come. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Why? To justify man before a holy God by shedding blood. And so it's so cool, but what I want you to see in this is Jesus is talking about um, the priority here um, of eternal life. And this is the way to have eternal life. So if you're connected to God, like we learned in this series, you're connected, you have forever DNA. And that forever DNA is to be the dominant influence. And what is eternal life? It's a relationship to know you, right? So eternal life is not a set of behaviors, although the relationship will change your behaviors for sure, because our strongest relationships influence us. But what I want you to see is that eternal life is knowing God, but to know God and to experience the fullness and richness of eternal life, you have to make God your number one passion. And we see this modeled by Jesus, the priority of knowing God. And in Jesus, we see him demonstrate, like God likes to do, he says he delights in it, demonstrate love and justice on the earth. So let's, let's come to kind of a conclusion based on just God's mind. If you want to know God, if you want to experience God, um, if you want to hear God, write this down, this hearing God fact. Eternity must be the priority. The eternal one, the eternal son, and the priorities of the eternal one, the eternal son, Jesus himself. If you're going to hear God, you've got to have a passion for him, his word, his will, his ways. And if you have a passion for that, you're going to want to make him a priority. 
And in making him a priority, he's going to shape your values, and then your values are going to turn into an expression. We're going to talk a little bit about that as we move along. All right. So Jesus says, and this is eternal life, to know you. What's Jesus saying? There are vital things, right? The ones that are eternal, that's vital, right? Then there's everything else. And we're going to see on your, on your notes here in Colossians 3, the Bible pounds that home. There's God, his word, his will, his way. And then there's everything else, right? And the Bible's always encouraging us to make eternity the priority, eternal things the priority. Let's see that come out in terms of the priority in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So remember the progression of what we've been talking about, right? We're a free will creature. Uh, when it comes to passions and pursuits, we have options. God says you can do this, which is, you know, make, make different things your gods. Be smart, be wealthy, be powerful. But I alone, I, I, want, I want to be your number one passion and your number one pursuit. Jesus models that, right? What does he say? Hey, this is eternal life, to know you, right? And once you fall into that category of being re in relationship with God, there are certain forces, right, certain drivers that take over that keep God your highest priority and keep you hearing him and keep you knowing him and keep you experiencing him. What are they? Write this down. My identity is the basis of my priority on earth. Number one, unequivocal gold medal winner in terms of establishing your priorities is your identity. Look at the language in Colossians chapter three. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Okay. So, the reflection is on, it's implied, but it's a before and an after. Since then, God loved you, God rescued you, and he transferred you out of the domain of darkness and into Christ, right? That identity in Christ means a few things. It means you're crucified with Christ. He dies for sin, I die to sin. And here in Colossians chapter 3, another thing happens when you're in Christ, right? He rises, he rises from the dead. I become alive now spiritually in God. And then I'm seated with Christ. That's the third thing that happens when a person becomes a Christian, right? They're crucified with Christ, right? He dies for sin, now they start dying to sin. They're raised with Christ. Jesus comes alive on earth. We come alive spiritually on earth for his purposes. We're seated with Christ. In Christ, we now have dual citizenship, okay? We're on earth, but we're seated with Christ, right? And which citizenship prevails? Is it our earthly cultural identification? No, it's since then we've been raised with Christ, we're seated with Christ, we're alive to God's purposes, and now we have access and authority being seated with Christ in heaven 
Our identity is the basis for now determining our priorities on earth. Not then and there, here and now, okay? Let's go to the second observation. So first, my identity is the basis of my priority on earth. Secondly, my destiny controls my priority on earth. This makes perfect sense, right? When you know what's gonna happen in the end, which is what Paul's writing about, right? It changes how you think and where you put your passions now. It's like, okay, that's gonna happen in the future. Um, I gotta change my, how I think about things and what my passions are. That's why Paul says on the heels of, since then you've been raised with Christ, the next words are set your hearts on things above, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. They're just like, all right, you're in Christ now. That's your number one identity. Now that's gonna take over your energy, your passions, your heart, your thinking. It's your number one point of reference. It's the number one driver for how you think. Why? Because that's your identity, but your identity results in a destiny right? Which is above. Okay. Number three, we observe Jesus, Jesus's supremacy motivates my prioritizing. So my identity, my destiny, Jesus's supremacy motivates my prioritizing. Notice the language. It says when Christ circle this phrase, please, who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So here in Colossians 3, you see the object of our passion is God in the person of Jesus Christ, right? And then you see the reality of his priority, okay? When Christ, here it comes, who is your life, okay? Can we do another press the pause button? when Christ who is your life. You ever heard somebody say, oh, my family's my life, or, you know, racing is my life, or some hobby is my life, or, sorry, if you're a believer, Christ is your life. He is everything to you. He is the number one context and influencer in your life right? He is the priority. So we're talking about priorities. When Christ, who is your life, you can't have a higher priority than that. People say stuff like, oh, this is my life, or she's my life, my family's my life, or golf is my life. You know, it's like, this is, Bible says, Christ, who is your life. And maybe there's a reckoning in this moment right now, where I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to many men, and you might be one of them, where there's a reckoning now. And when you heard those words, when Christ, who is your life, he is the context of every dimension of your life, the number one part. There was a, there's a little mm in your gut. That's the Holy Spirit talking to you, speaking. You know what? That, this, all those other things, that's not your identity. Christ is your identity. Doesn't mean you have to give up doing any of those things, but your identity is not those things. And your energy, right? Your number one energy, right? The thing that grabs your heart is not in those things. Your number one energy in me, and then I give you power 
and insight and wisdom to, to be in the mix in those things for me. Out of our, you live out of our relationship and express yourself in these contexts, okay? So Jesus wants to be my supreme passion. Jesus wants to be my number one pursuit. He's my life, right? He's the vital one of life, right? Now what we got to talk about is we have to talk about how that now turns into a progression. There's the vital one versus everything else, all right? Then in Christ, there's just for Jesus and in his words to us, there's a vital few things coming out of our relationship with God, right? Versus the important many things that are trying to command our energy, okay? I want to read a couple passages of scripture and just like we did in in the first section and the second section, I want to just make some simple observations, okay? First passage is Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Very familiar passage. You've read this, I'm sure, if you've opened the Bible at all. It says this. Somebody's with Jesus, and he says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Amazing passage of scripture. And we're gonna read a second one in just a second, but I wanna just build some connective thinking as, we, as the study kind of progresses and it, and it links up. So God's the vital one. He's number one, he's our passion, he's our pursuit, he's our context for everything. But then life lived out of that number one priority in our life, it looks a certain way, right? And, and that's what the question that the teacher of the law asks. It's like, okay, we're in this forever eternal relationship. Uh, What's the priority once we're in, once you're the priority and once we're in the relationship, what's the priority, okay? And then Jesus defines that, we're gonna unpack that. Now, I'm gonna add to Jesus's words there, some of the strongest direction he gave to the disciples before he left. Like, well, okay, it's love God with everything. What does loving God look like? In John 14, 21, just before Jesus is crucified, final huddle with the disciples, he says this to them, because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Okay, so, the admonition when Jesus answered, in this eternal life, what's the priority within a relationship with God and, and experiencing eternal life in him? Well, you gotta love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Okay, great. That's a little vague, right? In John 14, Jesus clarifies what he determines to be the priority within loving God. He says, whoever has my commands and keeps them, AKA makes them a priority, 
right? Whoever has my word and keeps my word, right? Makes them a priority. That's the person who loves me, okay? So we're gonna learn some, some things, make some simple observations based on the great commandment that we read first, and then these words about loving God through keeping his commands, all right? So the first observation from those two scriptures is do what shows love for God. Do what shows love for God. If you want to make God a priority, you simply ask yourself, right? Because you know that, that eternal life involves loving the Son and, and it involves loving God with all your heart. And then Jesus is saying, well, he says, I gotta show love for God. So you, how do you do that practically? You just ask yourself, right? What's that thing in this context, on this day, in this moment that shows love for God? And that's what I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that whether it's revealed in his word, whether it's revealed in the example of Jesus and the life of Jesus, whether it reflects God's character or conduct, that would be a pretty safe bet that that would show love for God, right? And what I want to emphasize here is do what shows love for God. I'm going to do what shows love. That's a, that's a simple conviction. And it's portable. It goes with you wherever you go when you're driving on the freeway, when you're at work, when you're with your wife, when you're with your kids, when you're with your family. It has many places of expression, right? Which is really cool. And that's what makes following God so wonderful. We hear God's word, right? We internalize God's ways in his word, discover his will, right? And then in a bunch of different contexts, we apply it, right? as men, husbands, fathers, friends, coworkers, bosses, employees, friends, neighbors, servants of the church. So do what shows love for God. One conviction, one simple conviction, many expressions, all right? So that's pretty simple, all right? The vital few, that's number one in the vital few. Do what shows love for God. That's part of the vital few after you come into relationship with the vital one. Second thing in the vital few is do what shows love for people, okay? So again, one simple conviction, many contexts and many expressions of that with people who are familiar to you, with people who share your DNA, with people who, with strangers that may have a need, with people who live in a foreign country, with people from your church, um, that's our job. This is, these are the vital few things. After you come into a relationship with the vital one thing, make him the priority. There's a vital few things that trump the important many things that, that you could do. And the cool thing is that we can love God and love people in every context that we have. So this is really important, right? When it comes to knowing God, hearing God, experiencing God, right? You got to make him a priority. Then once you make him a priority, now he's telling you, all right, here's a few things that you should know as I send you out into these different contexts. You're going to love people. You're going to do what shows love for me, and then you're going to love them. What does that look like? Greater love has no one than this that he laid down his life for his friends. You're going to sacrifice from what is uniquely yours, and you're going to give it without expectation of reciprocity. You're gonna be a giver, 
right? That's how you love people. That's how Jesus showed love for us. He gave his life, which was uniquely his and uniquely his choice. And that's what we do, again, in many different ways, right? The Bible knows one kind of love, sacrificial love. That, that kind of love communicates. Why do you think you love Jesus so much, right? Why do you think you cry when you think about the cross, when you take communion, when you ponder during Easter, the Passion Week? Why is it so? Because it's sacrificial love. Sacrificial love does what all other forms of love can't do. It communicates clearly and directly, bypasses the head and goes bam, right to the heart, right? So the vital one, we get into relationship with him, we make him number one, he's our number one passion and pursuit. There's vital few things that he wants us to do. We're gonna show love for him and everything we do, we're gonna show love for people whenever we can and in many different ways. Number three, we're gonna do what shows love for his word, right? To love God, Jesus puts, okay, if I'm a lover of God, I love and keep his word. I mean, that's why, you know, he would pull the disciples over figuratively while they're walking along and he would just say, why do you call me Lord, Lord? In other words, that's your identity. And you don't do what I say. That's your activity. Because the identity is disconnected from an expected and assumed activity, which is when I say something, you listen to it, you internalize it, you integrate it, and you apply it, and you obey it, right? So the vital one, that's most important. God's my number one priority. There's a vital few versus the important many things, which is I'm going to do whatever shows love for God. I'm going to do whatever shows love for people. And I'm going to do what shows love for his word. You will never, ever, ever go wrong by erring away from maybe how you feel about it or someone's opinion about it, and you get the black and white on an issue. And for the great percentage of issues, God's got a clear word for you. And when you show love for his word, that is loving him. Now, I want to just say something about God's word. And um, I want you to think about a newborn baby when it comes, when it's first born, just first comes out, right? What are you watching and waiting for? The cry, right? the first big breath of air of oxygen, and the first big cry. I mean, oxygen is essential to being a human being. That's the starting point of being a human being. You gotta have breath. You gotta have O2, like water, food, mother's milk, the rest of the stuff. You gotta have breath to be alive, right? When you think about God's word, and you become a believer, and as you walk with Jesus and you grow, just like babies grow, it doesn't matter if you're two seconds out of the womb or you're 15 or you're 25 or 75 or 95. What do you need? Oxygen, right? Some of you guys have been walking with the Lord forever, okay? And I'm hoping that you're breathing the oxygen life-giving power of God's word. Some of you guys are like just new Christians, right? And I'm telling you, listen, this is like, just like there's no life without oxygen, 
Man, there's no life in Christ without his word. It just breathes, informs, gives life to a relationship with God. It's the oxygen of a relationship with God is what God says. And so there's the vital one. And then once you're in relationship with the vital one, there's the vital few things versus the important many. What are those vital few things that we have to do that creates the context for who we are and our expression in the world? Do what shows love for God. Do what shows love for people. Do what shows love for his word. And if you do those vital few things in your life, you're going to discover a confidence and a consistency that is going to start to be, listen to me, intuitive, right? Kenny, what do you mean? Well, for you guys that watch the World Cup or play soccer, man, the best soccer, like during the World Cup, the best, man, they just play and it is natural. It is fluid. It is intuitive. Man, they know the game. It's just not even a really, they don't have to think. They're just intuitively playing the game. Same in basketball, same in hockey, same in most sports. You know, when you are committed to it over time, the vital few things that are necessary to play that game, man, it just becomes who you are and becomes intuitive. And that's where we all want to be. We don't want to have to think hard to do something really well, but we have to train, right? We have to make choices. We have to apply ourselves. And it talks about that intuitive cool life in Christ where if we are doing what shows love for God, doing what shows love for people, doing what shows love for his word on a consistent basis over time, following Jesus becomes, there's, there's no separations. It becomes just one seamless expression in Christ. It says this in Colossians 3.16, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know what that looks like to me? Spiritual freedom. I, knew, I know who I am, and I know what my priorities are. It's the vital one and the vital few things that he tells me to do, and those vital few things, they may have a lot of expressions, but it really gives me a rudder, and I've been doing that for a while, and I'm striving for consistency in that, and I don't make it perfect all the time, every day, but you know what? I'm, I'm winning more than I'm losing, and over time, you begin to see a life where... It's, it's just who you are. Your wife just, she's blown away. You, you came to the Lord and you just started doing things that show love for him and people and, and love for his word. And, and pretty soon it, that old guy, man, he, she doesn't even know who that guy is because there's this new guy and in whatever he does, he's thinking about the Lord and he's thinking about what God wants and he wants to love God with his life and he wants to love her with his life and love love the children that she loves with his life and he works really hard for the I mean he's he's got his act together but it's not him it's the power of God and the love of God and love being given back to God and he's number one he's our priority he's hearing God knowing God experiencing God so Here's where now we go, okay, there's priority. God speaks into that, all right? And there's the vital few things when you're in a relationship with God. We've spoken to that. Now, what happens is that priorities now begin to shape your values, all right? A priority in God begins to shape your values, your beliefs, your convictions. And I want to talk about a few of those that that will come up, right? Number one, you value the eternal 
okay? You start valuing the eternal. Remember we said at the top, like hearing God means eternity is the priority. You're, you're living out your heavenly citizenship, right? Which is where you're gonna be forever on this little assignment here on the little blue planet. You're made by God, you're made for God. One day you're gonna go back to God and you know your passport's gonna get stamped. Oh yeah, welcome home, right? But between now and then, you're gonna value the eternal, value God, value loving people, value his word, value his priorities. Okay, that's what we read about in Colossians chapter three. Our hearts and minds start valuing the eternal. Secondly, what we see through emphasizing a relationship with God as the priority, we start to begin to value the relational. So we value the eternal, of course, we value the relational, and now it's a discipline in our lives. Before we might've seen people as like people who could serve us or people we could use to gratify our desires or we competed with people. No, now we see them the way God sees them. And we start to value the eternal. We, we now believe, whereas before we didn't, that if we're not doing relationships right, we're not doing life right. Why? Because it is the number one virtue of the follower of Jesus is this is how people know by how well you love in relationships. And then we talked about it a little bit earlier. Well, how do people know that they love that you love them in relationships? You sacrifice for them and you don't expect anything back. That's Jesus in you loving them through you. So, we're in this relationship. We're we're putting energy into these priorities. Now these values start. We start valuing the eternal. We start valuing the relational. Third, we start valuing the doing of good. Right? We value the doing of good. Right? So we see that when we have a relationship with God, and God is good, and that's His character, and God's spirits in us. Right? The spirit of Christ who did good. That was Jesus, Jesus is in me, now this is me. That's why we talk about the dangerous good movement. You know, doing good is unequivocal, is an unequivocal witness of a good God, and that you're in relationship with your heavenly Father. He's a good, good Father, right, fellas? So when you're in relationship with a good, good Father, that Father's influence leaks onto the sons, and then they become good within, and then they start doing good, as an expression. That's why we love this thing called the dangerous good movement. Okay, guys who are dangerous with goodness. And man, if there's ever a time, fellas, where, the, where your, your wife, your family, your community, your city needs a movement of spirit-empowered men, dangerous with goodness, it's now, all right? So that's the, the next value. Let's go to the final one. Value the, the serving of others and generosity, right? Value serving and generosity. In, uh, it's not on your notes. It's not, um, I just flew in today on a plane and I was just kind of preparing, praying for this study and I got to this, wow, value serving and generosity. And I wrote down in my little seat, uh, 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19, which says this, instruct those who are rich in this present world. I, I have to pause there. So, you know, if you live in America, you're rich, okay, compared to the rest of the world. The average salary for most of the rest of the world, population proportional breakdown is about two bucks a day. So 
Just want to stop there. I don't want you to disqualify yourself. Well, I don't live on that side of the neighborhood. Or no, if you if you live in the West and you're an American, you have a job compared to the rest of the world, you're rich. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be concerned, not to be conceited, or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good to be rich in goodness, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, my gosh, so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Wow. Okay, this is the opposite of what culture teaches you. So we're saying, make sure the vital one is your passion and priority. The vital few that the vital one says should be your priorities. Make those your priorities. Your values start to change, right? You start emphasizing the eternal, the relational, doing good, serving and generosity. Let me just tell you something. If you want to witness for Christ in your block, in your neighborhood, in your city, with people who don't believe, serve them and be generous. And this is this passage from the Bible. I love where it says, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future. In other words, when I land in heaven, this is what's gonna matter. This is the foundation of credibility kind of in heaven, of Jesus being in you, so that they may take hold of that, which is life indeed. This is your purpose. This is the purpose of life, okay? Loving people, loving God, doing good, serving others, being generous, okay? Now, the one thing, uh, this is the one thing that we want in life, okay? We want to know our purpose, do our purpose, and God has just laid it out for us biblically, relationally, priorities, values. This is what kind of comes about out of your priorities in your relationship with him. And I would love to say that you could pull this off on your own, but you can't. Because you got too many things going against you. You got the world and all its values, all its godless values that are bombarding you constantly. You've got your own flesh, your own selfish side, which you're not gonna completely get rid of until you meet Jesus face to face, right? And you got the devil who's coordinating the whole attack against us. So what do we need? We need firepower to know the vital one, God, to live out the vital few, to let that relationship inform all of our values, right? And the Bible reveals the key, right, to keeping the vital few. It says it in Galatians chapter 5, verses 24 and 25. It says this, those who belong to Christ Jesus, okay, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That's what we've been talking about, right? We've, we're saying, nope, not about me, it's about God. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So in that passage, it, it, it talks about the battle that, that we've been discussing here, all right? You got all these competing forces. It's a spiritual battle right? But we're, we're all in on the vital one, God himself. 
Let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, right? Eternity is the priority. The eternal one is the priority, right? And then within that relationship, there's some things, some guidelines that Jesus gives us that are very simple, right? And then that's going to inform every place we go, how we think, what we do. But the animator, right, the one who that blows life into that, it's not your... It's not your good intentions. It's not self-will. It's the person and power and presence of the Holy Spirit in you. It's like having a great game plan, but not having the power to pull it off. It's like, man, that's a good strategy, Kenny. It's really great. Yeah, you're going to fail if you, if you rely on yourself, which is why I had to put this verse in here because then it would just be kind of like some Christian, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps type of thing. Well, that's not what's going to cut it, right? The Holy Spirit is the one who's going to draw you to the vital one. And we need to listen and keep in step with him when he draws us to God. God's, God's drawing guys right now. I know it. They're like, man, you know what? My energy's been in the wrong basket. I got to put it back into my creator. So it's the Holy Spirit who draws you to the vital. It's the Holy Spirit who says, man, you know what? Jesus, you did that for me. I'm loving you back. I'm going to love you with my life. My life is going to be a big thank you. That's the Holy Spirit in you, speaking to your mind and guiding your thoughts toward God and toward his purposes and doing what, what shows love for him. It's the Holy Spirit that enables you to sacrificially love people and give up what is uniquely yours, your time, your energy, right? Your commitment to yourself to love other people. That's the Holy Spirit right? It's the Holy Spirit that allows us to do good and empowers us to do good. It's the Holy Spirit that, the, the Spirit of Christ that allows us to serve other people. It's the Holy Spirit that allows us to be generous and be like God in that generosity of our time, our words, our skills, right? Our resources, okay? So he's calling us, I love the language here, since we live by the Spirit, all right, these people who belong to Jesus, that's us, we belong to the vital one, and we're in this battle, right? We're, we're putting to death, we're saying no to the flesh and yes to God, but to succeed, we got to live by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. So it's not this, I'm lagging behind and I got to catch up. It's not, I'm running ahead of the Spirit, it's Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, lead me. Holy Spirit, give me the mind of Christ. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? Holy Spirit, help me shoot in this situation. Do uh, what shows love for God and people, all right? It's a picture of, man, it's like, okay, we're together. That's why uh, if you've watched this live stream at all, you know, there's, there's two ways to, to kickstart a day. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And then another kickstart is Holy Spirit. Fill me, Holy Spirit, lead me, Holy Spirit, control me, because he is the one that gives me the power to make God a priority. He's the one that gives me power to do the vital few things for him versus the important. He's the one who's shaping me and helping me take risks to be dangerous with goodness, okay? So men, if you want to hear God's voice really loud and clear and personally so that you can know and experience him experience him in a powerful way 
you got to start by telling him that he's your number one priority. You start in prayer. You, you can do that right now with, with thousands of us. Right now, I'm going to lead this, this, this live stream community in a prayer and, and just know that as you pray the things that I'm, that there's thousands of guys. And by the end of the month, hundreds of thousands of guys who have prayed the same prayer with you. So there's no fear, right? We're together. We're locking arms right now. So if it's your desire to make the vital one your priority, if it's your desire to emphasize loving God, loving people, and loving what his word says, if it's your desire to be shaped, have your values shaped, and then driven by the Holy Spirit, I want you to bow your heads right where you are, and I want you to pray with me. And you know what I'm going to ask you to do right now? If, you're, if you hear the sound of my, I want you to put your hand just over your heart. It's just a universal gesture of seriousness and sincerity as we pray. Put your hand over your heart right now. And just say, Father, I desire this simplicity of life that Kenny is talking about. That simplicity that you promise when we place the highest value where it needs to go in you and you become our highest priority. Father, I want you to be my number one passion. I want you to be my number one pursuit. I want you to be my number one person, my first call. Because more than anything, I want to hear you clearly. I want to hear you daily. I want to hear you moment by moment. I want that intuitive, seamless life in Christ where my praying is thinking and my thinking is praying, where because of choices that I'm going to make right now, I'm going to start doing things that show love for God and people and love for your word. So Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, remind me that my forever identity, that I've been crucified with Christ, raised with Christ, and that I'm seated with Christ, that that identity rules my priorities. Holy Spirit, remind me of my eternal destiny and let that destiny shape my earthly priorities. Holy Spirit, remind me that Jesus is not just a part of my life, like an accessory, but Holy Spirit, remind me that Jesus is my life. And one day, I'm going to appear with him. I'm going to see him face to face. God, I want the priority of Jesus. I want the hearing of the words of Jesus to shape my values. I want the Christ-formed values that come from a relationship with you to lead to an expression in myself and all over the world with every man who's listening to the sound of my voice that because we, we know you and because you're our number one passion and pursuit, you begin to remold us and to reshape our values. You begin to form Christ in us and we start to become 
dangerously good, dangerously generous, dangerously loving in our relationships, Lord. So Holy Spirit, we have no illusions. None of that's going to happen unless you fill us and you lead us as a community of men so that our priorities are in step with eternity. I seal that. I seal that. The keeping in step with you. For every man listening to the sound of my voice, they're going to keep in step with you until they meet you face to face. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, if you just joined us for this part five session, go back. Listen to parts one through four. Or if you've completed parts one through five, download the notes, gather some guys together, you know, and teach it yourself. You know, you can always go back and listen to the sessions for some guidance and some input, but that's the purpose of Everyman Ministries. It's to empower you to do what I've just done with you, based and rooted on God's word, and then driven by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm praying for you, and we'll see you next time.